Hey, Internet. I wanted to talk to those of you who, like me, care deeply about the freedom of speech and our freedom to assemble. Now, as many of you know, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO and founder of Facebook, testified before Congress this week. And though it may not have seemed terribly important, especially given how the week ended, I believe it was and that it signifies an imminent and mounting threat to the freedoms that we hold dear. Now, the first question we should ask ourselves here is why? Why was Mark Zuckerberg called before Congress? I mean, what's so important? There's wars, insurmountable debt, not to mention a slew of domestic problems. Why did Congress think that it was really important to talk to Mark Zuckerberg? Well, what they told us was that they were very concerned about our privacy. Mm. On Tuesday, Zuckerberg appeared before the Senate Commerce and Judiciary Committees to talk about social media privacy and the use and abuse of data. And on Wednesday, the House Energy and Commerce Committee talked to him about breaches of trust between Facebook and its users and the fundamental relationship that tech companies have with their users. Now, right off the bat, this should make you suspicious. Privacy. Our privacy. Don't you think it's a little rich for the government to pretend to care about our privacy? Need I remind you, post 9-11, Bush implemented the Stellar Wind Project, in which the government brazenly decided to collect our international phone calls and emails without a warrant. This wasn't the first or the last time they ignored the Fourth Amendment to implement some Big Brother-like surveillance of private citizens. And what happened? What happened when Edward Snowden exposed this? And PRISM? And other unconstitutional violations of our privacy? What did Congress do? Nothing. No, they actually did worse than nothing. They codified it into law. They wrote things like Section 702 of the FISA law and went merrily about their business as before. And we let them. And suddenly, now, we're expected to believe they care about our privacy. Look, with Facebook, with Google and Alexa, I have a choice about my data. Like many of you, sometimes I'm uncomfortable about how my data is used. I've seriously considered deleting my <laughs> Alexa just responded. <laughs> um, I've, look, I've seriously considered deleting my Facebook account, and, and maybe I will someday. Um, I regularly disconnect Alexa, although obviously I forgot to now, uh, because it makes me uncomfortable to know that Amazon's listening to everything going on in our house. But like many of you, I haven't deleted my Facebook account yet, because for me, the value of being on Facebook outweighs the discomfort I feel about giving them my data. It's not like I don't know that Facebook has my data and tracks everything they possibly can. Of course they do. Google does. Amazon does. We all know this. So let's not pretend to be shocked by it. We give them our data voluntarily in exchange for free service. But at the end of the day, Facebook, Google, Amazon, and other tech companies, they have an obligation to keep our promise to us about how they use our data. And we can and should hold them accountable for that. When we feel they've overstepped uh, a line or lied to us, we can pressure them. We can stop using their platforms. We have a choice. We can use Brave instead of Chrome. We can use Signal instead of Facebook Messenger. Our relationship with Facebook is voluntary and mutual.
but this isn't true when it comes to the government spying on us. With respect to the government, we have no choice. They can ignore the Fourth Amendment, which is supposedly there to safeguard us from abuse, and nothing will happen. The only person I know of who was punished as a result of Snowden's revelation regarding unconstitutional government surveillance was Edward Snowden. We don't need Congress sticking its nose in our relationship with Facebook under the guise of protecting our privacy when we all know they care about our privacy about as much as they care about peace in the Middle East. So Congress wasn't questioning Mark Zuckerberg because they care about our privacy. Of that much, we can be sure. So why were they? What was the trigger for all these hearings? Well, first, a little bit of background for those of you who don't know. In 2014, an American by the name of Alexander Kogan, who was working at Cambridge University, built a personality test app for Facebook. It's one of those apps you install it and, you know, take some quiz. I don't know. tells you something about yourself, theoretically. He got... 270,000 people to install this app on Facebook. Now, this was back in 2014. At the time, the way that Facebook apps uh, had access to data was a little bit different. Uh, I actually coded an app years ago uh, when this was true. And, you know, that little box pops up and, it, you know, you have to give an app permission for your data. But at the time, uh, those apps also got access to any data that you had about your friends. So your your all your connections potentially sucked into that uh, that data um, and, and given to the app. Now, it doesn't work that way anymore. It hasn't worked that way for a while, but at the time, that's how it worked. And so by getting about 270,000 people to install the app, um, Kogan got access to up to 87 million people's data. Now, according to Facebook, he said he was gathering the data for academic purposes. Now, it turns out he, he sold the data uh, to a research firm called Cambridge Analytica which was against Facebook's terms of service. Facebook, when they found out about this, apparently uh, by the next year, in 2015, they told Cambridge Analytica to delete the data. The reason it's an issue now is recently it was reported that they didn't delete the data. Now, Cambridge Analytica, they still claim that they did, but it's been reported uh, and alleged that they did not. Okay, so all this still sounds kind of boring, right? Upsetting, of course, um, but not something you would uh, you would expect to raise the ire of Congress in and of itself. But here's the kicker, and this is why Congress cares. Cambridge Analytica isn't just some research firm. <clears throat> they are the brainchild of Steve Bannon, who was a VP there for a while. And uh, a former Cambridge Analytica employee has alleged that Facebook, their data, was used by Cambridge Analytica to help Trump win the election. So it's not exactly clear how, and there's conflicting reports about this. Cambridge Analytica maintains that they did not do this for the Trump campaign. Um, They do advertise that they have an extensive personality profile on every American, uh, which they use for psychographic targeting. Um, But they claim for the Trump campaign they used RNC data. Apparently the RNC also has data on every citizen. Uh, Not surprising, I'm sure the DNC does as well. You'd expect a large organization uh, to have that kind of data, or at least to try and build a database like that. Cambridge Analytica says that they they provided analytics about the electorate, but not raw data to the Trump campaign. So I take that to mean, 
you know, hey, people who like these kind of things might be better donors or more likely to vote for you, or maybe these are the areas who, uh, of the country where you should focus your advertising efforts, something like that. Now, for those of you who are scared by the term psychographic targeting, uh, I understand it's not actually anything new. It's how basically all internet ads work nowadays. In the olden days, you would use demographic targeting, which I'm sure uh, many of you have heard of. Demographic targeting is is things like uh, categorizing people by uh, gender and income level and maybe where they where they live. Um, psychographic targeting is categorizing people about things uh, around things like what kind of movies they like, what kind of causes they support, brands that they like, right? Um, it gives you a little more granular data. And for example, if you're coming out with a new science fiction film, you can advertise to people who you know already like science fiction films, and it's it's more efficient way to advertise. That's how most of internet advertising works now. So according to Cambridge Analytica, they conducted surveys, they bought TV and other ads, they did some analytics. Again, they claim with RNC data, although uh, the, the allegations seem to be they did this with Facebook data, um, to help the Trump campaign identify possible donors and that kind of thing. So, okay. So now we're getting close uh, closer to the real issue here, right? Democrats and some Republicans, they care about this not because there's potential privacy violations, but because they're angry about Trump's election and Facebook may have played a role. Okay, not good. Not good for Facebook. To make matters worse, the people who don't care about that, the Republicans, they have their own bone to pick with Facebook. They're upset about silencing or deplatforming of conservatives. This has been an ongoing concern among conservatives uh, on a number of platforms, not just with Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, others. In fact, during Zuckerberg's testimony, Senator Ted Cruz even brought up uh, the team Diamond and Silk uh, as an example of bias on Facebook's part. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Diamond and Silk are a couple of irreverent and fiery Trump supporters, and apparently they had some sort of issue with their Facebook page. I don't even know what it was, but it was brought up as an example of, of Facebook bias and, and what's called deplatforming. Now, I understand this. Uh, a side note about, about censorship and deplatforming here. At a, at a high level, it's important to remember that Facebook is a private entity and they do have the right to allow or disallow allow content on their platform. You know, conservatives, you, you can't argue that a bakery uh, doesn't have to bake a cake for a gay couple and at the same time, Facebook has to give you a platform. You know, you either have control over what you can do in your business or not, right? So is a private entity, and they do have the right to allow or disallow content. However, and here's where I, I agree there's an issue, Mark Zuckerberg did say that play, uh, Facebook is a um, platform for all ideas. Now, other tech companies say similar things. So if that's what they're advertising to be, if, if Facebook is advertising to be neutral, then they have an obligation to make that true. Uh, that much I agree with. So, you know, the problem here is that Facebook and other platforms don't appear to actually be neutral. And this is where conservatives have an issue. Time and time again, conservative voices appear to be targets of deplatforming efforts by Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and others. Um, and, you know, when these companies are asked about their policies, right, they, they do what Zuckerberg did, right? <laughs> they whip out this nebulous term, hate speech, uh, like it's this shape-shifting, get-out-of-jail-free card that justifies them silencing anyone with whom they disagree. And, you know, what concerns conservatives about this is, is two things. One, the platform is purports to be neutral, and apparently they don't, they don't seem to be. They don't behave that way. And two, when, when asked about it, uh, you know, people like Zuckerberg are asked to define hate speech. They, they can't. Um, during the hearings, actually, Senator Ben Sass asked Zuckerberg to define hate speech. 
and Zuckerberg had no answer. Instead, uh, he waved the term AI around like it was a magic wand. Woohoo, AI. Um, that actually seemed to work for him quite a lot during the hearings whenever he got into trouble. So, uh, But the closest Zuckerberg came to defining hate speech was admitting that Facebook removed content that makes people feel uncomfortable. But that is obviously uh, an unworkable and ridiculous definition. Uh, you, know, you know what they call speech that might make people feel uncomfortable? Speech. So, you know, that's just ridiculous. And we can't really blame Zuckerberg for his failure to define hate speech because, in fact, there is no definition for hate speech, and that's by design. That's intentional. If you could define hate speech, then you could avoid it or argue about it. And the proponents of hate speech, uh, the proponents of hate speech regulations, I should say, uh, they want to keep that definition fluid so they can use it as a weapon against anyone they dislike. Anyway, that's all, all aside. Um, this is now the perfect storm for Facebook, right? You've got conservatives on one side upset about bias. You've got Democrats on the other side upset about the potential involvement of uh, Facebook data with Cambridge Analytica and Trump's uh, win. And so for different reasons, both sides of the aisle are upset. And now Facebook is on their radar in a way that it hasn't been in the past. Okay, fine. So what does that mean? Facebook's on their radar. What, a bad couple of days for Facebook? Who cares? Well, you know, being on the government's radar is never a good thing. And the real threat to all of us, I think, was revealed during the hearings. Now, it was clear that neither Republicans nor Democrats, nor Democrats have any clue about how to run a large company, uh, certainly even less of a clue about the underlying tech. But they all seem to have big enough egos to believe that they know exactly how to regulate it, or maybe with a little help from, from Mark. So, uh, you know, almost all their questioning seems to me to fit into two categories. Uh, the first category was indignant old people angrily demonstrating that they don't understand anything about how the internet works. It was it was quite amusing uh, slash depressing to watch. Um, and the second category seemed to be this class of self-important thugs that were demanding that Zuckerberg pledge support right now for whatever their garbage legislation is that they're peddling, that, you know, they're trying to make a name for themselves in Congress. Will you support my crappy piece of legislation you haven't read? Tell me now. Uh, so those were kind of the questions that he was dealing with, those, those two sets of questions. Um, and to me, it was, it was quite horrifying. Uh, you know, I went in not really liking Zuckerberg or caring about him one way or another, um, but I came out actually having a lot of respect, <clears throat> at least for his ability to not throw his glass of water at Representative McKinley. Uh, there really were two major takeaways from the hearings. Uh, the first was it's clear that Congress has no understanding of technology, which isn't news, but the depth of their ignorance, to me at least, was shocking. They, no one had done their homework about how Facebook ads worked. So no one understood that Facebook doesn't actually sell ad data to advertisers. Instead, advertisers come to Facebook with some uh, psychographic targets and they say, hey, can you place this ad to these types of people? And Facebook does that, but they don't get your data. Um, and even though Zuckerberg explained that several times, Congress people over and over were asking him questions with the underlying premise that they were selling ad data. It was pathetic. Um, Another example is that they didn't seem to understand uh, large numbers or the complexity of what, what happens at Facebook. And, and I think Zuckerberg was trying to uh, convince them of how enormous of a, of a platform Facebook is. He was over and over again saying, uh, we have 100 billion posts a day and blah, blah, blah. 
But there seemed to this be this weird expectation from congressmen that, you know, whatever pet project they were concerned about, uh, Facebook could just like hire a few interns and solve it. So a classic example was um, <clears throat> with opioids. There were some congressmen and women that got upset about the fact that people were advertising opioids for sale on Facebook. And some of those people weren't licensed uh, uh, pharmacies. And they were kind of saying, well, you should be able to know who's a licensed pharmacy. Yeah, I guess if that's the only thing that you cared about, they could they could hire some people and, and build some software to to test who's a licensed pharmacy and make sure that they they're not advertising unless they are a licensed pharmacy. But you know, that's Pandora's box. You could easily extend that to hairdressers and everything else. I mean, Facebook can't realistically police everything that's posted to make sure that whoever is posting any kind of offering any kind of service or selling any kind of product is licensed in their jurisdiction and compliant. It's it's a ridiculous ridiculous ask. Uh, but you know these Congress people kind of said it with a straight face as if it was an easy thing to do. So one Congress clearly had no understanding of tech. I could go on about that, but I won't. The second and I and much more important thing, most much more important takeaway was that. Uh, I think we've reached a critical mass of pressure to regulate social media, and that's disturbing to me. Now, you might you might wonder why it's disturbing. I mean, even Facebook seemed to be okay with it. Zuckerberg said this several times. I'm open to being regulated. You got to understand, of course, Facebook is open to being regulated, right? Facebook is a half a trillion dollar company almost. Regulations are good for big companies in general. Uh, Zuckerberg can afford to open build a building full of lawyers. He can hire floors and floors and floors worth of lawyers, right? He can have lawyers navigate the most complex, nuanced, confusing regulation. Yeah, it'll cost him some money, but as a percentage of his overall profit, it's not huge compared to a startup who could never do that. So large companies like regulation because it locks them in uh, and, it, and it solidifies their market share and helps prevent smaller competitors from coming up and challenging them. Um, the other reason they like it is large companies like Facebook typically have a lot of um, lobbyists, and those lobbyists actually help write the regulation that they'll be subject to. This is called regulatory capture. It happens in every industry, and it's normal. And so Facebook will end up getting to write regulation that they'll be subject to if there's regulation. So look, of course Facebook's okay with regulation, but we shouldn't be. Many of you may have grown up with the internet. I didn't, but many of you may have grown up with the internet. And so it's always been this way for you. And it's easy to take for granted the idea that anyone can speak to anyone else and even to everyone else about anything they want without the blessing of going through a centralized authority, like a book publisher or uh, a newspaper editor or a TV producer. In the past, if you wanted to get your message out to everyone, you had to be rich enough to publish your own book or convince a book publisher. You had to own a television studio or convince a TV producer. The internet changed all that. For the first time in history, we have decentralization of control over ideas. A lot of people are all excited about blockchain, decentralization of of money. Yeah, that's great. We hate central banks. I I agree that it's a great and exciting thing. But the internet is decentralization of control over ideas. And the ability for us to communicate freely with each other without going through a central authority or any small number of central authorities could literally save Western civilization. And what we're seeing now in Congress with these hearings is a bunch of geriatric power mongers frothing at the mouth to control how we communicate to one another. 
because they're afraid of this. They're afraid of our freedom to assemble digitally. Now, historically, the only protection we've had here, other than the First Amendment, which everyone seems to ignore, uh, is Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996. And it's only one sentence, and I'm going to read it to you here. The sentence is, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by any provided by another information content provider. It's a mouthful. I'll read it once more. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. What does that mean? Well, in a nutshell, it means that Facebook and other platforms are not liable for libel. Uh, they're, not, they're not liable for things that we post online, at least not directly. It's not their job to, to, to police the content tightly. Of course, if they get things like a, a takedown notice because there's a copyright violation, yeah, they have to respond to it and that kind of thing. But uh, it's not their job to police all the content, and they don't, the content, and they don't have the same liability as if they were a publisher. And actually, I would argue, we don't want it to be their job. As soon as the power to police this conversation is placed in the hands of a few companies beholden to the government, then this conversation, the internet as we know it, effectively ends. We'll still be allowed to, you know, talk about and share cat videos, of course, but on important issues, that handful of companies will control the narrative. And I know a lot of people feel like they do now, but at least there are alternatives. And with regulation, there won't be. If you care about the internet, if you care about the freedom of speech, the freedom to assemble, if you don't want to go back to a world where a handful of people control whose voices can and can't be heard, then you need to fight against any government power grab of social media through regulations. Facebook, and this message especially to conservatives here, Facebook is not your enemy. If you don't trust them enough with your data, or if you don't like their bias, protest or leave. But to leave you need to have someplace else to go. And it may not feel like you have any place to go now, but nothing ensures that competitors will arise more than a free market. So if, in a fit of short-sighted anger, we start piling on regulations in an effort to make social media companies behave how we think we want them to behave, we won't have as much innovation in social media technology. There may not be a next Facebook. And we won't be able to jump ship because we'll have no place to go. If you're in the U.S., you're already living in an Orwellian government that regularly spies on its own citizens. We need to work together to dismantle that. Don't give that government even more power over how we communicate with each other. Some people called Zuckerberg a robot. Okay, fine. As for me, I'll take a robot in Menlo Park over a bunch of sociopaths in Washington any day. Thanks for watching and listening. Uh, if you disagree or you have another perspective on this, I'd love to hear it. Uh, please uh, reach out to me on Twitter at C-L-A-R-E-N. C -L -A -R -E -N. Thanks again for watching and listening. Have a great day.